Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Man, I am so excited to be continuing the Favor of God series today. Uh, A couple weeks back in December, God started stirring in my heart that we would launch this year with a series on God's favor, the favor of God. And here's what happened. I'll be honest with you because I grew grew up in the church and uh, the word favor had been abused for so long that I actually decided I'm never preaching on favor because I didn't want it to be one of those. I didn't want to be one of those pastors or one of those preachers that's known like, oh, prosperity gospel preaching and uh, just name it and claim it and it's yours. And so I pushed back on favor. I actually retired the word favor. I I put it on a banner and rose it to the rafters of Project Church. I said, we're never going to preach on favor in this church because it's been abused. It's been used. You know, people would declare favor was a close parking spot, which some of you got today. Favor was that sale uh, when you got something 20% off instead of just saying what it is, which is marketing. You know, it's, it's Black Friday. So, of course, it was on sale. So I didn't want to talk about favor. And then God started to stir in my heart at the end of December. No, Caleb, you need to reclaim favor for my church and for Project Church because I'm reclaiming some things that I'm going to declare over the people of this church. And so this series, I believe, um, is going to be, man, it's going to be very formative for us and for our future. And it's fitting that next week we're closing out this Favor of God series on Vision Sunday. And so today I want to speak a message entitled Finding Favor. Now, As I came to this message, I asked one big question that I want to propose to you today in this place, and I hope it makes you uncomfortable. I hope it makes you think, question, dig into what you know about God's word as I pose this question. In fact, preparing for this message, I spent more time talking to our staff about what their perspective was as it came to favor, and this question, probably any message I've ever prepared for this church. So I hope your expectation is high today. Here is the question, the one big question. Can you increase the favor of God on your life? I want you to think about this for a moment. I want you to contemplate. In your ability your strength, with your actions, with your decisions, can you increase the favor of God on your life? Now, before we answer that, and as you think about it, I wanted to talk about the word favor as it relates to the word of God and the dictionary definition of the word. So first, we need to know that the word favor is used in various places in various ways throughout the Bible. It can mean grace. It can mean acceptance. But I want to look at the dictionary definition, which is this. Approval, support, goodwill, above and beyond what you have. Kindness or preference. 
Now listen, I believe all of these things, this dictionary definition, are available to us as God's people. And as we look at different Bible characters, we see the favor of God being declared over their lives. But it's important to note and to think about that when I refer to favor, I'm not just saying favoritism. Because how many know that the Bible is clear that God shows no partiality to his children? And yet, there is a favor upon those who are his children that those who are not his children do not have. Do you hear me? Here's what I believe, and I'm going to illustrate this today. I believe there is a baseline of favor. That every person that puts their faith in Jesus, confesses Jesus with their mouth, believes him in their heart, they get a baseline of favor. So look, we have three cylinders, and they all have the same amount in them. This is the, the baseline of favor. Now, I want to explain this better by using the scriptures and digging in first to Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. So here we go. I want This is going to be on the screen for you. I want you to see this. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. Everybody say, I didn't do it. It is the gift of God. It's a gift. Next. Not a result of works. Everybody say, I didn't do it. So that no one may boast. Now listen to me, church. When you put your faith in Jesus, you confess Jesus, you have received a favor, every one of us. It is the baseline of favor that believers receive. Listen, you can't earn this. You didn't do this. You can't boast about it. In fact, Paul says, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in the Lord. The only thing you can boast about is Jesus. You see, this favor is more than enough. You want to know why? Because the cross is sufficient for you. The cross is all we need. The price that Jesus paid. Let me tell you, this favor is enough. And this favor gets you to heaven. This is the favor that gives you eternity and eternal promise. That no matter what you experience in this life, the favor will carry on after this vessel dies. You have the favor that you will be with God, walk with God, worship with God. You will walk the streets of gold one day. How many are thankful for the favor of God that comes not from you, but from Jesus? But guess what? I said it earlier, this is a baseline. And so I want to answer the question for you because here what I, here's what I believe, the big question. Can you increase the favor of God on your life? This is enough. What Jesus did is enough. But how many of you know, I believe, and I believe the Bible shows us through multiple people in multiple places that your choices and your decisions can increase or decrease the favor of God that you experience on your life and in your life on this earth. Now, some of you are like, I'm not sure, Caleb. Hear me. Favor comes from God. But an increase or a decrease can come from you. 
So I want to dig into the text because some of you aren't sure how you feel yet. But we're going to get there. As you read further, as you look at the scriptures, as you examine them, you will find examples of the people who have favor and have had favor on their lives. And I believe that you're going to discover how you can attract God's favor on your life. You can increase God's favor for your life. I want to declare today that we can find greater favor in 2022 than we had in 2021. How many want greater favor on your life this year? How how many want a greater overflow on your life this year? Listen, I think a lot of you have labeled your year already, and you've labeled it negatively. You've labeled it by what people have declared or said about you, spoken over you. And here's what I want to challenge you to do today in this place, that you would bury the lies that other people have spoken over your life. You would bury the lies that you believed about it yourself. And today, you would awaken and give birth to something that believes for greater things to come. I need some people that believe to give birth. Some of you need to give birth birth in your soul today for something greater in 2022. Bury the lies that the best is behind you. Bury the lies that that you are what someone has declared over you. Bury the lies and give birth to faith. God has favor for you. So here's what I want to do today. I want to look at the story and the man named Daniel. If you have your Bibles, go to Daniel chapter 1. I'm going to read and I'm going to give you six choices. Six choices that I believe can increase the favor of God on your life. If you don't normally take notes, this is a good week to take notes. Go to the YouVersion Bible app and the notes are already in there for you, all right? Click the menu, live events, you'll find it all right there. You can follow along. I believe there are choices that we see from Daniel's life that can increase the favor of God on your life. So let me set this up. Daniel, the setting is that Israel had come into the promised land. They'd grown, they'd flourished, they'd built walls around Jerusalem. They made it their capital. They had built a temple, but then they began to worship idols. They went as far as to engage in child sacrifice. They they were worshiping the idols of the land and those around them. They were no longer just following God. And so God says, I've had enough. I got to get their attention. And so he sends a nation in Babylon to attack them, to break down their walls. They burn down the temple and they take the people as captives, many of them, back to Babylon. They are now exiles in a land not their own. They're captives. They're in captivity. And while they're there, the king begins to draft some of the young, good-looking, it says, good-looking men, um, knowledgeable men, strong young men, to basically make them leaders in this nation of Babylon. Why? They were trying to indoctrinate them. They knew that within a generation, the Israelites would forget who they were, and they would acclimate to this new culture, this new environment, and they would only see themselves as Babylonians and no longer even see themselves as Israelites. So they would start with the young, the sharp, the, the, the best of the best, and they would begin to indoctrinate them in the ways of this other foreign nation. And so they take Daniel, and they start this journey with Daniel and his homies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You guys have heard about these guys? He takes them, and they're the four that are, this story is really centered on in Daniel chapter 1. 
And the, the leaders say, all right, this is your diet. You're going to drink this wine. You're going to eat this meat. The problem was that that meat was considered defiled by the law of God. And so for Daniel and his, his, his homies to eat this, they would have been violating the law of God. And so they bring it to them and say, you need to eat because you need to be the healthiest. You're the leaders. Um, we're raising you up. So take this. And here's what Daniel says. But Daniel, verse 8, resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And he said to him, verse 12, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables. Everybody say veggies. To eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. What does Daniel do? The first choice to increase the favor of God is we must be righteous. I'm talking about right living, right choices. Here's what I believe. There is a baseline of favor. I said it earlier. But when you make certain choices, they can increase the favor of God on your life. And one of those is righteousness. When you choose a life of righteousness in the midst of a culture that would tell you to do anything but what is righteous, in the midst of a culture that would try to pull you into the practices of that day, a culture that would try to indoctrinate you. Daniel and, and, and his friends were trying to be, indo or they were trying to indoctrinate them with the practices of Babylon, and yet Daniel stood firm with righteous living. Hear me, church. God is looking for pure hands, not full hands. And I think a lot of us are going, look at all I'm doing. Look at all I'm carrying. Look how much I'm accomplishing. Look how much I'm, I'm striving and I'm working. And God's going, that's nice, but are your hands pure? That's nice. Are you following me with right living? Are you following me with righteousness? Matthew 6, says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Here's what I see. A lot of people trying to fill their hands with the things of this earth to appear successful, to show how much they're accomplishing. And God is saying, seek first my kingdom and I'll add all those things unto you. You want to, to have success? Seek my kingdom. You want to grow your business? Seek my kingdom. You want to be successful in this life? Seek my kingdom. You want to get a wife? Some of you say amen. You want to get a, a, a husband? Some of you say amen. Seek first my kingdom. Guess what will be added? All of these things. You see, we're going after the wrong things. The things of this world, the things of this culture. The Bible tells us and shows us if we seek righteousness, if we make the choice uh, to be righteous, then we will see an increase of the favor of God on our lives. You want to know how I can prove this? Because Daniel did it. He said, I'm not going to defile myself with food that is considered unclean by my law, by my God. So I'm going to eat veggies. 
I'm going to eat different. Come on, church. We need church people to eat different than this world, all right? We need healthy church people, all right? Some of y'all need to stay away from that fast food and, and, and all those processed foods. We need to eat healthy. Why? Because we need to look different in all ways. Okay, I wasn't supposed to go into that, but we don't, talk, we don't like to talk about that in church. But at the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and wine and they were, that they were to drink and gave them veggies and water. You see this? What did right living lead to? What did right choices lead to? It led to more of the favor of God on their lives. And now, not only did they get to keep eating what was right, but they looked better than all the other people in the land. They looked better than all the other young leaders. They, they, their nails were coming in nice. They had that collagen in those veggies. My wife gives me collagen. I don't know why I said that. Uh, their hair, hair was looking on fleek, right? The, the skin was shining and glowing. Some of you ladies are, are feeling it, feeling me. Why? Because they chose right living. They chose righteousness and the favor of God increased on their lives. You see, the second choice to increase the favor of God on your life is to pursue wisdom. I don't know about you, but I get caught up in pursuing the knowledge of this world and being knowledgeable in knowing a lot. My wife hates it because anytime anyone tells me anything, I'm cynical and I doubt it. I go, nah, I got to see it for myself. I got to research it myself. I got to Google it myself. And she's like, I just told you. I said, I don't care. I got to prove it because I love knowledge, and I'm not against knowledge. I mean, I, I got a biblical studies degree. I got my, my BA, and then I got a master's degree in theology. Like, 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 knowledge is okay, but the Bible is clear that knowledge puffs up. But there's something about wisdom and the pursuit of wisdom and why there's a book in Proverbs that talks all about longing for and pursuing wisdom. Why? Because when you have wisdom on your life, there's a favor that comes with it. Proverbs 8.35 says, for those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. We see here, verse 17, right after, right after they see that they look better than all the other youths after eating a diet that should not have worked. Verse 17 says, as for those, these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Hear me, church. When you pursue wisdom, when you choose wisdom over the knowledge of this world, there is an increase of the favor of God that comes. I wasn't asking or posing this question to try to stump you. I was asking and posing this question because I wanted you to really think, can my actions increase the favor of God on my life? Can my choices, can my decisions increase the favor of God on my life? And I want to tell you, I believe that they can. 
You see, wisdom is something that this world doesn't put a lot of priority in. And yet God is looking for a church and longing for a church of wisdom that walks in wisdom, that walks different, that, that, that can see things that others can't see, that can perceive what others can't perceive, that has eyes that can only come from God. So we make the choice to increase the favor of God. Thirdly, by committing to where we are. Now, this is a hard one. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I rarely am where I want to be. Let's be real, right? Most of you out there going, I thought I'd have more money in my bank account by now. I thought my business would be more successful by now. I thought I'd be further up the ladder by now. I thought my marriage would be healthier by now. I thought my kids would be perfect by now. I thought a lot of things. I thought I'd be married by now. I thought I'd have kids by now. And I want to say, you're rarely where you want to be. And I've preached it before, at least you're not where you used to be. Come on, somebody. And people say, amen. But listen, it's one thing to say, at least I'm not where I used to be. But it's another thing to say, you know what? I'm committed to where I am right now. It may not be the job I want, but God has me here, so I'm going to make the most of it. My marriage may not be perfect, but I'm going to work at it and help it grow. My kids may be crazy, but I'm going to keep speaking life into them. And one day I believe that if I've raised them in the ways of God, that they'll walk in it. I want to challenge you and commit to where you are. And, and I can illustrate this no better than by Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're exiles. They've been stolen from their land. They've been kidnapped. Their freedom has been taken away. They're trying to be indoctrinated. They've been drafted without their choice. And yet in the midst of it, what do they do? They say, we're going to be the best we can be. We're going to stand when others won't stand. We're going we're to stand on God's word when others are compromising. We're going to be those without guile, those without compromise. They were all in, committed. They didn't complain. They made the most of it. And I want to ask you today, how do you set the tone for your day, church? Every morning, do you want to prepare for failure? Do you wake up in the morning and prepare for failure with your mindset? Do you wake up in the morning and prepare for disappointment with your mindset? Or do you wake up in the morning and say, no, today is going to be a day of victory. No, today is going to be a day of success. No, today I'm going to see God do something on my behalf. I want to challenge you that you would prepare every morning for the day of the Lord's favor. So we declared this the year of the Lord's favor. But I think there's something about committing in your mind every day to where you are and saying, today I'm preparing for, in my mindset, success. I'm preparing in my mindset for victory. I'm preparing in my mindset for life. I'm preparing in my mindset for opportunity. I'm preparing for the favor of God on my life today. Can I be real with you? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a human being. And there are days I come into church on a Sunday morning and I don't feel like being here. Like straight up. Maybe me and my wife fought on the way. It's happened. Maybe the night before. 
I had a pizza and ice cream at 10, 11 p.m. I just wasn't feeling it that morning. Maybe it's been a rough week. I've been through a lot. I've been banged up and beat up. Had some financial challenges or relational challenges or work challenges. And I come into church and I don't always feel like it. I don't feel like being here. But let me tell you, I walk in this room and I make a decision. And I choose to bring my best. I choose to bring excitement and joy. I choose to lift my hands and worship, even though I don't feel like worshiping. I choose to clap and praise my God, even though I've been through a lot. I choose to receive the word, even though everything in me wants to put up walls and say, God, I'm mad at you. I make a choice, and some of you would say, well, Caleb, you're being fake. You're being fake. But can I tell you today, that it's about committing to where you are, to making a mindset shift to where you are right now in this place. I believe that one touch of favor from God is worth more than a lifetime of labor from you. And so I watched the life of Daniel, and they did the right things to increase the favor of God. But it was God that continued to touch their lives. God that continued to bless their lives. So may we commit to where God has placed us. Commit to where God has called us. Be all in in this moment. Don't be so longing for what's to come that you miss what God is doing right now. You see, you can make another choice to increase the favor of God, and that's that you would be contagious. Ooh, you're not supposed to say that right now, Caleb, <laughs> with this uh, virus going around. Not supposed to talk about being contagious, but, but what I mean is Daniel was contagious in his boldness. I don't know if you saw, but Daniel made a choice to not eat what the other men were eating, which in that day they would have known wine and meats. That means healthy, beefy men, and that's what they were looking for. He said, no, we're not going to defile ourselves. We're going to eat veggies and water and watch what happens. There was a boldness that came over Daniel. But guess who was with him? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But fast forward now to chapter 3. I'm going to go a couple chapters forward. Verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar makes an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth was 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And he declared that the image of the king was set up and was to be worshipped and bowed down to whenever they played the music. But then watch what happens. Verse number 8. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the music must fall down and worship the image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews who have been appointed over the affairs of this province, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods, and they do not worship the golden image that you have set up. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were influenced 
by the boldness of Daniel to stand in the sea of those bowing down. And I wanted to challenge us today because we are living in a culture that would tell you to compromise, to compromise the truth of God's word, to compromise in, in, in what is right living and holy living, to compromise in what you stand on and what you believe for and what you declare over your family and over your life. And yet I would tell you right now, God is looking for a bold church, a church of boldness. And how many know that boldness is contagious? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego watched Daniel stand firm and say, no, we're going to eat different. And then when the time came and they were without him and everyone was bowing down to the image, they stood in a sea and said, we're not bowing down. We bow down only to one God, to one true God. And what happens? They come out of a fiery furnace. It says they're unsinged, unburned, untouched. In fact, they didn't even smell like smoke. You see, the favor of God, the favor of God, the favor of God, it brings an increase when we walk in the boldness and it's contagious to all those that we come in contact with. You can increase the favor of God on your life, church, when you choose to be bold. I believe God is looking for a bold church. Not a passive church, not a church that will blend into the culture, that will look like everyone else. I'm not talking about what you wear. I'm not talking about your haircut. I'm talking about your choices, your purity, your actions, your right living, the words that come out of your mouth, the heart that you carry, the love that is on you. I'm talking about, do you talk about Jesus? Do you declare Jesus? Is your life more about what you're building for you or what you're building for him? Are you more about declaring your kingdom or God's kingdom? And I think there's a culture and there's a generation in the church that is all about building up their platform, their name. They're followers. And God's saying, I'm looking for a bold church that's about declaring me building my platform, building my kingdom, building what I'm calling them to. And how many know that's contagious? You can increase the favor of God when you choose to be faithful. Everybody say faithful. You see, earlier I said, I, I, I come into church and I raise my hands even though I don't feel like it. And a worship even don't feel like it. And I even come on a Sunday when I don't feel like it. And I give when I don't feel like it. And I serve when I don't feel like it. And I love my coworker that talks a lot of trash when I don't feel like it. And some people say, well, you're being fake. And I say, no, I'm being faithful. You see what the world would say, oh, that's fake. I believe God says, no, that's called faithfulness. Because how many know you don't always feel like being faithful? You don't always feel like worshiping. You don't always feel like giving. You don't always feel like coming to church. But faithfulness says, I'm going to do what's right whether I feel like it or not. That's what faithfulness is. Watch how faithful Daniel was. I'm jumping forward a few more chapters. Man, the story of Daniel has twists and turns, and now Daniel has been elevated. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fiery furnace. 
uh, Daniel's moved up the ladder. He's like at the top, right under the king. But there's some others up there with him, and they're frustrated by it. Man, why is this guy getting so much favor on his life? Watch this, verse 4 and 5. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. And no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Can you imagine a church that's so faithful to the things of God and so faithful to the word of God that the only way this culture could get us is by getting us with us following what God says in his word. And let me tell you, we're at that point, church. Let me tell you, we're at that point. The problem is a lot of God's people aren't living that life. He's looking for faithful people. Daniel was so faithful, they could find nothing wrong with him. Nothing in his character. No compromise. No wrong living. I wonder if we looked at the dark places of your life, all the hidden places, the things that no one else sees, if people would say the same about you. They looked at the dark place of your Google search bar. They looked at the dark place of your finances. They looked at the dark place of what you do at work. They looked at the dark place of your text messages. They looked at the dark place of your Instagram feed. I wonder if they look at these things, that they could say, there's nothing I can find about them. If we're going to catch them, it'll have to be in how obedient they are to their God. I want that kind of faithfulness to be spoken over me. I want that kind of faithfulness to be what people think about when they think about my life. Verse 10. So guess what they do? They, they have the king issue an edict that if you pray to any other God but the king and his idol, that you'll be thrown into the lion's den. And Daniel hears about this. He goes, okay. So if I pray, I'm going to the lion's den. Verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper, upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees, not once, but three times a day, and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. He was so faithful that even when what he did faithfully was made illegal, he still did it, and he opened the windows and the doors for everyone to see. He said, I'm going to go in the lion's den. I'm going out on my terms. I'm going out on my knees in faith and prayer to my God. Why? Because he was faithful. There's something power about, powerful about faithfulness. You see, faithfulness, I believe, man, this should have been the most full maybe. Because when you're faithful, the favor of God increases in your life. When you walk faithful, there's a favor that flows into your life. And finally, the last choice to increase the favor of God is you have to be submitted. In fact, you have to be so submitted that you do what is right, even though you know the result 
will get you in a pit with some lions. He was so submitted to God, so faithful to God that he said, it's fine. I'll rock with it. I'm going to a lion's den. I'm good with it. But how many of you know when the favor of God is on your life, people see it. People want it. In fact, the king, when he found out that Daniel was getting thrown in the lion's den because he had broken this edict and, and had prayed to God, he was, he was so upset that the next morning, it says, at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. He saw the favor of God on Daniel's life. The king declared to Daniel, I don't know what a tone of anguish sounds like, but it probably sounds like this. Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, Oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. And the king was exceedingly glad. What am I saying? Because some of you are going, Caleb, I've done all these things. I've submitted to God. I've been faithful to God. I, I, I've been bold in my faith. I've been committed to what opportunities God's given me. I've pursued wisdom. I've been righteous. I've done all these things. And you're telling me that I, if, I do, if I'm submitted, I'm going to increase the favor of God. And guess what, Caleb? I've done all this and I've gone through so much. I've gone through storms and struggle and situations and things haven't gone my way and it's not how I wanted and I haven't been able to, to move up in how I wanted to move up and you're telling me that if I do all these things I'm going to increase the favor of God but it doesn't feel like that. Can I tell you something? The favor of God doesn't always keep you from the lion's den but be sure and certain that his favor will get you up out of the lion's den. I'm here to declare today to you, church, some of you have found yourself in a den with some lions. You found yourself in some fiery furnaces. You've been through some storms. You've been through some struggles. But I want to tell you right now, the favor of God has not left you, and he's bringing you up out of this. If there's still breath in your lungs, the favor's still on you. If you're still going, the favor's still on you. If you still have life in you, the favor's still on you. God's still working. You see, I said it a couple weeks ago. I preached a message called What Favor Feels Like. You need to go back and watch it if you missed it. Because sometimes favor doesn't feel like we thought it was going to feel. Sometimes the favor of God ends us up in a furnace. We end up in a lion, in a, in a den with lions. We end up in places that we didn't think we would be. But I came to declare today, that God's favor is still upon you. That God's not done. If your story isn't done, if you're still here, there's still more to be written. And God's favor is still working on your behalf. Listen to me. I believe there is generational dysfunction in this place. 
generational dysfunction that has gone on from generation to generation and today God is making a switch and he's turning it to generational favor from generational dysfunction to generational favor God is flipping the script in your life keep being faithful keep being submitted keep walking in him his favor is upon your life but how many know we don't practice his favor we don't practice all these things just so we can increase the favor of God on our lives. Because some of you have been hearing this and you're like, okay, okay, I'm going to do all this things. I, I want to see the blessing. I want to see the favor. And that's good. And you'll get it, I believe. But can I tell you, it wasn't meant to just be for you. And the reason I talked to you about increasing the favor of God on your life is because some of us have a baseline down here. But all it takes is one touch from God on the favor that's already on us. And there is exponential increase, church. One touch from the favor of God and there is exponential increase. One touch from the favor of God and there is exponential increase. But here's what I found. The favor, if you just make it about you, I wonder if God's really going to touch it. If you just make it about what you can get, I wonder if he's really going to touch it. If you just make it about your blessing, what you can gain, I wonder if he's really going to touch it. But when you say, you know what, I'm not here just for me. I'm here for the generations after me. I'm here for my children and my children's children. I'm here for my coworkers. I'm here for my friends. I'm here for my neighbors. And you say, God, I've increased the favor of God in my life. Now I want you to touch it, not just for me, but for the overflow that you're going to do in all the people around me. That's what happens when God touches the favor on your life. One touch from God can lead to an exponential increase. You didn't know Bill Nye was in the house today. Come on, church. Give God some praise for the increase that he has for your life. Here's what I think. I think there's some people that if you were honest, This is what your cylinder looks like. This is what your cylinder looks like because you have not surrendered your heart to Jesus. You have not said, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, change my life. And, and your cylinder is empty. I'm not saying you don't matter. I'm saying you're, you matter so much that God brought you here today on this Sunday for you to hear this word. And he's saying, I got a baseline of favor for you. But how many of you know the baseline is just a starting point? There's more than that, but you got to start somewhere. So there's somebody in this room that today you need to surrender your life to Jesus. Because your cylinder's been empty. You've been trying to build it up with your strength. And things just keep dumping out. You got holes in the bottom. And today, surrender your life to Jesus and let him give you the baseline of favor that will change you forever. Would you bow your heads with me across this room? You're here, you say, Caleb, that's me. I'm an empty cylinder. I've been running from God. I've turned my back on God. I've fought 
against God. I try to do it in my strength. I try to do it my way. And today, I'm ready to surrender for the first time. I'm ready to rededicate my life, come back to Jesus. I want him to touch my life. Give me that baseline of favor. If that's you, lift your hand right now in this place. Don't hesitate. Go. Go. Yes. Anyone else? Yes. 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 Come on. Yes. 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 Come on, church. Give God some praise. Yes. For these hands that have been raised. I saw six, maybe seven hands. That's what it's about. Everyone pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Today, I receive your favor through your son, Jesus. I receive salvation, not in my strength or my works, but in yours and what you did on the cross. It was sufficient to fill me forever. I receive your favor. I receive your touch. I love you, Jesus, and I will live for you all my days. In your name, amen. Give God a shout of praise for these people that surrender their lives to Jesus. This is what it's about, church. Can we stand to our feet right now? Before we go, I know you all got things coming. Do me a favor. Let's sing this song real quick. As a declaration that we will live a life and make the choices to increase the favor of God on our lives. Give thanks for the favor of God that he's put in us already. Come on, church. Let's worship before we go today in this place. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.